Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Uh, owner stories again today. This is Tuesday's episode. Uh, we're up to number 32. 32 today, and we've got Simon who'll join me very shortly. Uh, these owner stories are done by Zoom or via Zoom. Uh, I'm in the UK. Um, Simon's in the UK as well, uh, coincidentally, but I'm still doing them by Zoom. And Simon's going to connect to Zoom very shortly, and we'll start talking. If you want to be on these owner stories, um, I am still looking for people to be on owner stories. I have a bit of a list of uh, people to get through at the moment, um, but that doesn't mean you can't contact me. Just give me your details. Uh, just send me a DM through Instagram, uh, Porsche Cooled or Michael.Bath, um, and I will get back to you. And eventually we will schedule a time to, uh, to record an episode. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get into it. Let me get Simon and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Owner Stories. Like I said before, this is number 32. We've got Simon coming in today. And Simon, I'm going to get this right because last week I actually got the wrong location for someone. But Simon is in northwest England <laughs> in the yeah. UK. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you? I'm very well. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. I mean, we've chatted briefly on Instagram. Um, as I said to you before, I don't, I kind of like it, actually. I don't know a lot about your story. I mean, I know what you own and, and every all the listeners will know what you have because it'll be in the title. Um, yeah. And I know you mentioned, and I didn't ask you before we started recording, I know you've got a, you said you had a YouTube channel and I didn't actually get the address of that YouTube channel, but we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, and also, I just noticed in my notes that You've also found me through Ajmal. So you're a bit of a fan of Ajmal's uh, videos on, on YouTube? Yeah, so um, I started, I found him just a few months ago. And then in one of his videos, he mentioned uh, coming on your podcast. And I think he said, oh, I've put it in my, um, you know, the actual notes for the YouTube video. So yeah. from there, uh, so I just Googled you and, and found you um, that way, which was great, and then started listening. So, yeah, a um, bit of catching up to do, and I'm still <laughs> working through all the content, but enjoyed it right from the off. And then uh, once I heard your, um, you, you know, your uh, user uh, podcasts and such, I thought, well, I'll just drop you a, a quick hello. And I'll be honest, and I've since heard other people say it, I thought at the time, well, I don't know whether it's going to be interesting enough, but since then realized that I think people quite like the normality of yes. just hearing just normal, normal stories of just people's, you know, experience and how they got into liking Porsche and what the background and history has been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it all came from in the beginning. Cause I just wanted to be, you know, basically like how I was, you know, I'm looking for a Porsche and you're sort of looking at other people or reading forums or watching YouTube videos and, and just learning, you know, more about it for people that have just got one or people are looking into the brand. So yeah. um, I think that's what's great about the owner stories thing because, you know, we all have, like we I keep saying, there's always that common thread, um, but it's always that little bit different as well at the same time, which is um, which is interesting. And I, I I mean, I really enjoy them. You know, I do actually enjoy listening back to them and, uh, and, and, and getting to meet everyone as well. And also seeing, uh, Simon, other people meet each other. Um, yes. Like the other day I saw that uh, Luke that was on, with his 996 cab, had met up with James at Porsche Platz in Brisbane in, in Australia. They'd actually met up. So I thought that was pretty cool yeah. that people are actually meeting up and, and connecting um, because we all have the same interest and we're all, you know, a bit, we're all Porsche fanatics and uh, we like to oh, chat yeah, about I, Porsche. I, I, and that's one of my reasons for owning the car also is, A, because it's a Porsche, but secondly, the main 
thing um it's, it's a fourth car so it, it's the social side of it i'm meeting with other people who um are like-minded um and you know going on the runs and yeah. um there, there's a club uh, on facebook called uh tpec i think it's the porsche the independent porsche enthusiast club oh, and really? they have different re- yeah it's, it's really good and um the most enjoyable thing about it is they're, they're not stuck up in the slightest they're a really down-to-earth group Okay. Uh, they're not. They're not judgy. You don't get any snide comments when people, you know, maybe put something on that people don't like. Um, unlike some other groups I've been on, and uh, you know, the northwest region of, of um, I think the acronym is TIPEC, um, okay. is really big. It's like biggest in the UK. There's I think there's a 330 members now. Okay, and they do lots of runs. Obviously, it's been uh, dialed back all through COVID, but they're just kicking off again. And, you know, the, the runs I have been on have been brilliant, really good fun. Um, Fantastic. And people from 94 owners all the way up to, you know, um, really expensive stuff like GT3, um, sorry, 993 GT2 kind of ownership. You oh, know? Nice. So you get the, nice. the lowest end all the way up to the upper end. I'll have to have a look at that. Yeah, someone sent me a message to say that I should have gone out to the Porsche Club UK thing that they have every second Sunday or third Sunday here somewhere near Canary Wharf. Um, they have some meet at some coffee shop. Someone told me I should go there and check it out and, and check all the cars, but I just couldn't do it today. I would like to go and have a look at it one day, but I, I, mm. I know it's nearby and I've heard about it before. Anyway, let's get let's get into the let's get into your story. You know, I always like to start these episodes with with the beginning question, so to speak, you know, about yes. how you got into Porsche um, and whether it was uh, something that's just happened now later in life when you've had the money to buy one or was it something that you've always lusted over since you were a kid? Um, were there any relatives or friends that owned Porsches, uh, you know, over the years? How did it all start for you, Simon? Um, well, my love of cars, my petrol head kind of status only started when I first started driving, really. Um, and the main reason was because I started reading. I, I didn't read much when I was younger. My kind of reading ability wasn't brilliant when I was in my teens. So I started reading car magazines, um, which my cousin gave me a huge pile of them and suddenly got into cars, uh, then passed my driving test at 17. Um, and, it, and then literally it all just spiraled from there, really. Um my earliest Porsche experiences, one of my friends used to do uh, valeting for a guy called Dave who sold uh, used cars, and he also specialised in um, used Porsches and was a, a big Porsche lover himself. So he sold all the bread and butter stuff, but he would also had another line where he didn't have a um, showroom for this stuff specifically, but he, he kind of progressed into the more expensive stuff. And my very first experience of, of driving a Porsche was just before I was 19, and I went with, he asked me to come with him to, I think it was Glasgow. Okay. And he bought a couple of Porsches from a sports car auction up there. And we got the train up to drive them back. And it was winter. It was raining. I was 18, never driven a Porsche before. <laughs> and he threw me the keys to, um, now I've looked into it. I know it was the 3.2 and I'm pretty sure. It was an 82. At first, I think I said in my message, it was an 80. 82, yeah. A, yeah, I think it was a 3.2 Super Carrera SC Targa, and it was in green. Um, and I think, um, I can't remember what they called it, it was a, quite a bright green. 
And yeah, it's like the Viper Green, but it's not called Viper Green. I know the green no, you mean. No, Gelbrun or something oh, like yes, that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, the one you can never pronounce. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Exactly. And he literally said to me, um, do all your braking in a straight line yes. and try not to crash it <laughs> and, and, and keep up. And then he took off at a rate of knots um, with me following him and we drove 250 miles back um, and it was amazing. But for the first probably, you know, 40 minutes, I was gripping the wheel so, so hard. Um, and that was my kind of baptism of fire. Yeah, it's a <laughs> in, bit frightening in, in, in that sort of weather driving a, a, an air-cooled uh, for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we got to the motorway, obviously, but before that, we were, you know, going through a bit of twisty stuff. And I literally just said, look, if you're braking, brake in a straight line before you get to the bend, because your engine's behind you. And and that was it. And um, I had a few twitchy moments, but, you know, got away well, with it, obviously. I guess, you know, it's similar advice that I had as well when I first got my Porsche, but that's that's good advice, good solid advice. If it's one thing to tell someone what to do, you know, that's pretty much it, isn't it? You know, break before the corner, don't break on the corner. I, th- I think he did it on purpose, to be honest, because he knew, you know, I loved cars. Um, I think it was just before I think I had a front-wheel drive Sirocco, Mark 1 Sirocco GTI at the okay. time. Nice. And then shortly after that, I got an RS2000, um, which really taught me how to drive because uh, rear-wheel drive and uh, had to engine work done on it and a LSD put on the back, and that was great, you know. Spent That's a great driver's car, it. isn't it? They're very sought after now, the RS2000s, aren't oh, they? Too much money, to be quite honest. As with a lot of cars, I don't think they're worth the money. Um, you know, the, the the way that they've gone, there's, there's a lot of cars out there, I think people – think they want one they buy it and then they realize that it's a 1980s car that they're driving yes. and, and, it, and it drives like an 80s car um i had a friend who bought a capri did yeah. the same thing hated yeah. it after he'd got it <laughs> i guess you see it in a different way though don't you because you've owned the rs2000 you've owned it in the in the time or whenever it mm. was and then you know looking back at it now you think would you want to get another one and you know this makes me think about people who would like to relive their, their past and, and to buy all the cars they've owned before, you know, that people who have a lot of money and they buy the cars that they've owned. Yeah. I don't know whether that's always a good thing, you know what I mean? Because no, not well, all the cars we've owned often, have been great cars. And like you yeah. said, they date, you know, they're still 80s cars or 70s cars, you know, so they're a different they're the kind of thing that to maybe buy as a second or third car. I know, for instance, um, there's a few people I know who one of the cars I had was a Renault 5 GT Turbo. And I love, absolutely love that car. Um, and I know people who always wanted one, couldn't afford it. And I've got a friend now who's looking for one, but he's going to have to spend 20 plus thousand pounds to get a really good one. Yeah. But he will buy, you know, he's got the money. His money's just sat there and, and and he'll enjoy it for what it is. But like he said, I've got to get one that's sorted, that's right, that's not going to break down and that I don't have to spend a lot of time getting right. I'm quite happy to pay somebody for the fact that they've already got the car right and driving right. And, you know, um, and those kind of people, if, if they can, they can indulge yourself, then yes, I think you're kind of fulfilling that desire that you always had. And maybe if you couldn't do it. Yeah, true. So after you drove that Targa though, you drove that Targa, your friend, you know, gave you the keys and you drove it. Did you think about Porsche much after that? Or you just wanted good driver's cars? I was realistic because I always loved Porsche, but I never, ever really looked at, at maybe buying one because I couldn't afford one. Yeah. So I, I bought what I could afford. And um, so after that, I got my RS2000. I had a, a Quattro, a UR Quattro. Um, 
which was a quite a leggy example and was good fun, but kept on breaking. Um, okay. Then I got my five turbo. And so I always kind of bought, um, and typically there was a lot of cars I would always look at. And for instance, the E28 M5, always wanted one. Yep. Was very close to buying one back in the early 2000s. And this was a South African car that had been brought over that was so it was completely rush free. It was £10,000. It was a one owner car. It was perfect, but I just couldn't afford it. Um, I should have borrowed some money to buy it, but I was brought up in a, a family background of being self employed. And my dad kind of taught me to practice kind of delayed gratification. I, you know, when you've got the money, save up, buy it and own it. And yeah. then you've got an asset rather than, he always said to me, the only real borrowings you want to have is for a house. Uh, and, and then you want to look at paying that off as quick as you can. Now, maybe you won't always be able to do that. Yep. So I've always done that. So every car that I've had, I've never had finance on a car. And I know that's quite rare for a lot of people. And I'm not criticizing people who do it, but I've just never done it. You know, so yeah, no, it's a good way but, to be. Um, it's definitely a good way to be if you can do it, and you can you can wait as well. You've got to be quite patient, don't you? Because you've got to save the yeah. money and then get to that point where you can actually buy it. So, is that what happened with the Porsche? So, years have passed. You've had a few cars. Are there any other memorable cars? I mean, you've had you've had good drivers' cars. You've had good cars that you could drive on the road, or you could take them to the track. It feels, you know. Um, yeah, well, well, other other really good experiences, which I didn't realize how special the cars were, came through the same person. Uh, I know that probably about a year after I drove the uh, the SC, um, he asked me to go and fill up a Porsche, which was a 924, but it was a GT. Okay. So, which I now realise years later was it's quite a rare beast. There weren't that many of them, um, and it, it looked like an, a, a 944 because they had the the arch kit on them and the scoop on the front. Yes. And I yes. think that was left hand drive. Okay. Uh, so I drove that, and I also drove a CS, an, um, a white with it, the left wing was red down the side. Now that was left on drive, and again, um, I know that the club sport, you know, the was that be GC was as well. I know that they're quite a rare beast. There's not yeah, many they're rare sort after. Yeah, they've gone up a lot. But back then, it was probably a car that he would have paid maybe fifteen grand for. You know, not not big money. Sorry, so I mean, your friend owned these cars. Yeah, he was a dealer. So oh, he was a dealer. He, he, he bought okay. and sold them, and okay. would quite often uh, run these cars. You know, would buy something, run it for you know two, three, four, six months, maybe for okay. loved it, and then sell it on. So, didn't you, being your friend and being a dealer, didn't you find that tempting when he was letting you, you know, look at these cars and drive these cars? You, it was still oh, a situation. I, just, I, I couldn't afford them. Typically, a car like that that might have been twelve or fifteen grand, I was spending a thousand pound on a car. Oh, okay, okay, that, understand. That age, you know, um, yep. I just didn't have the money, and um, I bought my first house at twenty-one, which again, a lot of my, you know, I was the first one of all my friends to buy a house. So I, I never had any money. Um, I always had enjoyable cars, but I kind of didn't get involved in worrying, you know, kind of thinking about these cars because I, I knew I couldn't really afford them, you know. So you're being sensible. You're being, you're being quite sensible, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another thing I actually wrote down because I was going through some old photographs and in 89, so I was 19 at the time, I remember going to a what they called was a supercar test day. I don't think they even called them trap days back then. And at that day, I ended up getting a passenger ride in a DP Motorsport 935 Turbo. Oh, wow. A uh, big wide body thing, white with yeah, the blue yeah. livery down the side, which, again, is a real kind of icon car now. 
went round in that and it was ridiculous how quick it was especially for the time back in you know 1989 absolutely that's a great experience and uh, got strapped into that thing um and on the same day i actually got a passenger ride in the very first r32 skyline that okay. was imported into the uk right well i'm saying that he said it was the first one in the uk <laughs> uh and i'd never i didn't know what it was nobody there knew what it was and that had been tuned by a Japanese tuning company called Going, who don't exist apparently anymore. I think they were absorbed okay. by one of the bigger ones. And that was about 450 horsepower. Wow. And that was ridiculously quick, again, for 1989. Yeah, for the um, time, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and I fell in love with those cars, but again, could never afford to buy one. <laughs> and, and now they're a big money. <laughs> yeah, they're huge money. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward because everyone's waiting to hear about your Porsche. Hmm. How did the Porsche come about and when did you... When did you decide, okay, um, I'm going to get a 911? Um, well, as is the case quite often, my wife, when she listens to this, will be uh, shaking her head and probably agreeing. Um, I, I tend to do what a lot of men do, is I'm only looking, and then I end up finding the right car, then buying. So I did it with my second Integra. Um, I was only looking, and then the perfect car came up, and I said, I've got to buy this car, of which she's wonderful, my wife, because she does let me indulge myself, and she also likes the cars. That's and the good. same thing with the Porsche, really. It was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm over 50. I've still not really bought what I'd call a real performance car, and started looking, initially looked at 997s, and yes. then quickly discovered that I actually preferred the 996. Um, what did you prefer about it, Simon? I preferred hmm, – that's a good one. I think compared to air-cooled, what I liked about – I remember reading about the 996 when they launched it, and they basically said it's 30% or more better in every way than the outgoing 993. Yes. Um, and, you know, they basically developed that as far as they could, whether it be emissions or lots of other reasons. Um, and it was modern enough to use quite a lot if I wanted to. It was quick enough to kind of scratch my speed itch, as it were. Um, and also, I knew that they were massively undervalued. Um, and I'd driven uh, a 997, but I'd never actually driven a 996 uh, before I bought one, um, I actually first time I drove, you know, C4s is when I test drove my car that I bought. So it was more of a price thing that swayed you in the in the into the side of the nine nine six, or you just preferred it? No, I know well, the listeners are always interested in this, you know, because a lot of times it does come down to the price. Um, I bought nine- at the upper end. I I kind of bought at the top end because my feelings were if I'm going to buy one, I'd yes. rather buy one at the upper end. Uh, obviously, you've got to be able to afford it. But at that end, so, you know, the, the high 20s, I could have bought a, a nice 997. Yes. But I just I liked the look of the car, the, 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 the slightly more retro look of the 996 I preferred. I Like the steering wheel, all that did was steer the car. There was no buttons on it apart from the horn, which I liked. Yes. Same as with my Integra, you know, it, it's and it, it felt a more analog car. And... I think the driving experience between a 2003 C4S and, say, a 2005 um, 997.1, um, from what I could gather, were, were quite similar. You know? Right, um, right. And, and I drove a 997 um, C2, 
probably okay. maybe a year before I bought this car, and okay. they felt very similar. All right. So before we get deep into the into what you've bought, did you own the Integra? You, you you mentioned to me that you have a, a Integra Type R. Did you have that car before you bought the nine eleven? Yes. So my second Integra I bought in twenty twelve. Um, so I've had that um, yeah for many many years. Um, I've basically got my daily drive, which I use for work, my Integra, which I probably only do 1,500 miles a year in that. I use that for track days when I've got the time, um, a few decent club runs. Um, I go with the uh, Clio Trophy Owners Club. They do a run each year through Wales, from North Wales through Mid Wales to South Wales. And I've kind of lucky enough to be able to come along with them guys. And okay. that's always an amazing weekend. So, yeah, that one is just, you know, oh, and summer evenings, I might take it out and go out for a blast um, once the sun's set in. So that's like your fun car. That's like your track car. That's like the car you sort of tinker with and do things with. And Yeah, that was and, the one that I knew that gave me what I wanted because it was a very analog and an amazing car to drive. Um, so, but not a lot of money. I mean, they've, they've doubled in, in value and are still increasing. But at the time, you know, six grand would buy you a really nice one. When I are they mine. UK? Are they UK delivered, Simon, or is they Japanese? So my, yeah, I've only owned the UK DM, UK domestic market cars. Okay. Um, and mine's the Starlight Black, which probably out of every twenty cars, one of them, I think, one of them would be black. Uh, most of them are white. Um, so out of 20 cars, I think the figures are 16 would be white, three would be red, one would be black. Um, okay. But I didn't go looking for a black car. It was a one-owner car owned by a doctor, bought from new, low miles. It was just the right car. So I bought that and I've just kept it ever since. Yeah, I've been in, I've been in a few Integras, but I haven't been into a, in a, an Integra Type R. But even the basic Integra was a very popular car, very popular car. I mean, for normal driving, they're horrible. You know, they're horrible on the motorway. <laughs> they are, you know. But um, if you're driving them just around town or just on the motorway, then there's nothing special about them at all. They're just very tinny because there's no sound dead- deadening. Yeah. yeah. Um, high revving, you know, on the motorway. Um, and But you get them on the track or around twisty stuff and you're driving them hard and they're fantastic. Yeah, so you it, it follows that trend and, and the trend is, is buying very enthusiast-type, you know, cars that are very sought after now sort of track orientated if they want to be, you know, not yeah. like you said, not so great on the normal road. So then you look at the 996. Um, so tell the listeners um, what 996 you bought, um, if you know what the specs were uh, and the color, yeah. and, and then we'll start talking about that one. Okay, so I settled on a 2003 um, C4S uh, manual for me, for what I wanted it for was the only choice because, like I say, it was a fourth car. Um uh it's in polar silver which i didn't realize at the time was a special order color um and there aren't many in polar silver i've been told um this is people with more knowledge than me who said oh polar is polar silver, is is polar silver sorry Simon, is polar silver the one that has the blue through it it's kind of a kind of a blue yes. shading if you think of an ice cube um the kind of blue hue you get from an yeah. ice cube yeah it's a nice yeah. color very nice um, color You'd see them more on 993s, apparently, at the later 993s. And looking through my codes, one of the codes that's on my sticker under the bonnet yes. is 0991, which apparently is a Porsche exclusive program for paint. Um, oh, right. So I think it was a special order. Like I say, I had no idea at the time. And I subsequently found out that Arctic Silver is the one that most are. 
Yeah, because um, isn't Polar Silver, for my not, isn't Polar, Polar Silver's a 993 color, right? It was a 993 yes. color. Yeah. Yes. So I guess they discontinued it, well, as in the normal color choices, it was discontinued in the 996, and that's probably why it was exclusive manufacturing. And that's why it became, yes, became yeah. a special order color. Yeah. And that's why apparently there was very few, um, which is good. And I, I do prefer it to the... Um, the other silver, the Arctic silver. Is it called Arctic silver? Arctic silver. Um, That's what I have yeah, in my 997, yeah. which is Arctic silver. So I don't dislike it, but if I put them next to each other, I look and say, actually, no, I do prefer um, the, excuse me, the polar silver. So, yeah. Um, and it's quite well optioned um, car as well. Um, again, I, I kind of found out more after buying it because I wasn't really aware exactly what and what wasn't options on right. the car uh, until after I bought it. Um, but it's got, see, I'm not even sure whether um, PSM, PSM, you know, the, the PASM, yes. um, for stability management, I don't know whether that was an option on the 2003 and four cars. I kind of keep reading things that contradict themselves. PS, PSM, not PASM, right? PSM. PSM, yeah. Mm. I, don't know, I think it nine... was an option when it first, the C4S first came out, I think it was an option. Right. But possibly 2003, 2004 cars, it may have been standard, but I don't know. Probably. Well, that's on there. 997, it was standard. PSM right. is standard. PASM is, is option. Mine doesn't have PASM. Right. It has PSM. Yeah. So it's also got the sports exhaust on there. Oh, um, nice. It's got the sports seats, which I definitely prefer because I have tried both with the crests, the Porsche crest stamped on the, the top, which, yep. again, was a, an option. Um, it's got the white dials, um, aluminium, the large aluminium pack, which I think is the rings around the dials, the um, handbrake, and what else? Might have been the handles for the doors. It's got the aluminium uh, kick panels that say Carrera on them, which, again, are were an option, it would seem. Um, the rear wash wipe, which I love, and I know a lot of people, I heard yep. a few people talk about that, whether they, they do yep. or don't like it. I, I like it. I really do like it. Yep, um, I use mine. I use yeah, mine. Yeah, and I use mine as well. And, you know, people say, oh, you've got to get rid of that. I'm like, why? It, it keeps my back window clear. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, exactly. But, um, so let me just tell let me just tell the listeners quickly why before we fin- before before we continue. Um, let me just tell them your Instagram. Uh, it's at pig underscore monkeys underscore Porsche. So it's at pig underscore monkeys underscore Porsche. If you're listening to this now, just go and check out Simon's Instagram. He's got a couple of photos of his car on his 911 C4S yeah. on his Instagram, and he's also got a picture of those seats, which are very very nice seats. Sorry, Simon, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say. That- Instagram is something that I've never really been into Instagram, um, but I've, so I've only really recently started uh, using it and set up the second account because I have one on there for me because I, I develop property. Um, so there's not a lot on there, but I'm adding stuff more. Um, I'm not one of these ones who will just keep on feeding it for feeding it's sake <laughs> because I just like putting, you know, I'm not really looking to try and gain followers. Yeah. But I'm quite happy, you know. But it's good to meet other people in the Porsche community because you start putting images on there and people start reaching out to you. So that side of it's quite good, you know, if you follow the Porsche accounts yeah. and, you know. And that I didn't side know that you good. could chat to people because this is how I actually talk to you. And yes. this is how I started talking yeah. to a flat cap driver. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've chatted to him and... I also follow a YouTube channel called uh, Man and Garage, which is oh yes, uh, yeah. So, um, so I mean, uh, Finn have, have talked a lot. Um, 
since then, you know, so because uh, I've been watching his videos and we started chatting. So, yeah, so I, I, I didn't really understand Instagram much, but I'm adding things on there and I'm going to conti- continue to add uh, stuff on there as well. And then my YouTube channel is also um, uh, Pig Monkey as well. Um, but if you basically search for Pig Monkey and um, C4S, 996 C4S, you'll probably find some of them. So there's videos more videos of your car on your YouTube, so people can go and check that out and, yeah, and check I've got out plenty your car. Yeah, plenty of stuff on there that I've been doing. So really, once I got the car, I thought, well, I may as well document my ownership and any work that I do yep. um, on there. And that's what I've been doing. Okay, so I, you know, you've you've picked a good one out of the nine nine six range. I mean, you know, my favourites and, and a lot of other people's favourites, of course, are the Carrera four S. Uh, Carrera four S is really really appealing. I mean, it's just that rear that rear view of that Carrera four S is just beautiful. Um, as is the front. I mean, obviously, it shares the front with the turbo. The other one is the turbo. Um, yeah. You know, on the podcast, uh, Steve's cousin in law uh, has just um, he's just bought a turbo. Actually, he just bought a nine nine six turbo. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're very special cars. So what, what is it about the Carrera 4? You know, you bought the Carrera 4S. Did you get it from a dealer, Simon, or did you buy it from a private sale? I bought it privately. Um, I was looking at turbos as well, actually. Um, and in the end, I actually didn't buy a turbo for a few reasons. Um, I've got a friend who's got a couple of Porsches. He's got a, a 992C4S, and he's also recently got a, um, the new Boxster GTS 4-liter. Um, oh, nice. And I drive both of his cars. He's very generous that let me drive his cars. Um, And, you know, his C4S, even though in fact that's like the entry, you know, engine now. Um, But they're a bit too quick, I find. And what I really, in the end, I kind of went full circle and realized that what I find now is that I can use 95% of the power in my car, 95% of the time, without being at, well, obviously, you can get to a legal speed still very quickly, but I'm not always jumping on the brakes. And the quicker cars now, once you start getting to 450 horsepower, if you are being a bit enthusiastic, you're having to jump on the brakes very quickly. And yeah. it doesn't seem to flow as much. So I think 320 to 350 seems to be about the sweet spot for me. Um, obviously, power to weight, you know, it's one thing. Yeah, true. This is what I was thinking, actually, you know, with the 992, is a base Carrera the pick of the 992 range, you know, because it isn't as fast as the S or the 4S or the Turbo, and the Turbo is just crazy. You know, is that is that now a sweet spot in, in, the, new, in the new models, that it's just the base model, the base engine? Yeah, I personally think so. Um, my wife has got a, uh, a 435 petrol uh, convertible. Okay. And when, when we change that, um, I think I'm going to look at a... Um, a 991, probably a dot one because I, I think I prefer the 3.8, yeah. um, which is, you know, um, I can't really remember. I think, are they high 380s? Um, somewhere around about 380 horsepower. I think sure, so. But, yeah, I think so. Well, that's quick enough, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think probably the base Carrera, um, I mean, my friend who's got the C4S, he is looking at a Turbo S. Uh, which, they're just too like fast, said, though, aren't they? They are I mean, ludicrously from, fast. From all those videos I've watched on YouTube, and I'm sure you've watched them as well, they're just crazy fast, crazy fast. The best driving I've experienced that I've come away with, with my cheeks aching from grinning, has been the the, the, the driving where it flows, where you go maybe driving with a group of people, 
they're not going stupid, but you're just on it, but not going stupid. Yeah, yeah. And you're flowing through the bends, and you know you're cornering yeah. uh, relatively fast, but and you can you feel like you're cornering, and you're having to position the car. Yep. That to me is the most rewarding. Yep. You feel the um, weight transfer. You feel everything. Exactly. You know, you're, yeah. I yeah. know. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. And if you do get it wrong, you're not going to have as big an accident as you might have if you're in something that's got 450 plus horsepower because you're true. arriving at that accident a lot quicker. Yeah, true, uh, true. You know, my driving standard's okay, but nothing like some people's, you know what I mean? Well, you and, do uh, track days, so you must be, you have a certain school level if you start to do track days, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a decent driver, but I've, I've got to be honest, <laughs> that compared to other people I've been in with, you know, I'm, I'm uh, average when it comes to uh, being able to drive well you know compared to a lot of other people but i'm good good compared to maybe a normal road driver maybe yes yes so let's get back to the 996 so when you when you found this car um what sort of checks did you do because everyone likes to know the process that everyone goes through did you do (laughs) any checks or did you just buy it off the bat and just go here's my money uh well after after listening to i know that you like a (laughs) pre-purchase inspection um no, I didn't. Um, but I did lots of checks, and I looked at all the paperwork, and I looked at what had been done to the car, and a lot had been done to it. Um, and, you know, the car, interior-wise and exterior, is fantastic. Um, the only problem I had was it needed an engine rebuild. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So how many miles How many miles has the car got? Well, when I bought it, it had done 59,000. And okay. I bought it privately. The yeah. thing is, I don't, I don't regret buying the car, even the fact that I've ended up rebuilding the engine, which I have done now. Okay. Because the car is a good example, put aside the fact that it had bore scoring. Um, the previous owner was a real Porsche enthusiast. He'd owned, the last 15 years, I don't think he'd never had a Porsche in his life. Right. And I bought it privately off him, and he'd bought it off a, I won't name them, but he'd bought it off a, a, a very well-known large um company that sells, you know, used performance cars. Okay. And he had owned the car for, I think, about 14 or 15 months, had only done 1,500 miles on it because he had a very high-level, high-pressure job and just didn't get to drive it much. Right. And then was going abroad for a project and was sold the car. When he bought the car, it had a borescope done and photographs, which subsequently turned out to, I think, to have been falsified. Oh, really? By the dealer? So I had no comeback on it. Yes. So I don't huh. think that he knew, and I don't think he sold me the car knowing it had a problem. So he, sho- he showed you this report, Simon, when you bought oh, it? Oh, I got you... them. He, he sent them all you know, to me. He sent all the emails. Okay. Um, they'd sent it to somewhere to be done that's a very well-known uh, place that sells Ferraris. Okay. Um, and I had all the pictures and everything else. But subsequently, as you know, the following months after me buying it, because very shortly after that, we got lockdown. So it took yes. longer for me to discover the problem because in the first lockdown in the UK, no one was going anywhere. So you bought this car last year, about the middle of last year? 13 months ago. Yeah, just before we, about two weeks before we locked down in the UK. Okay, so you're buying this car. This, you, you trust this seller. Um, he's pretty genuine. He's serviced the car. The car's been well looked after. You've got that. He just spent, before, he, before the car turned a wheel, when he bought it, he spent six and a half grand on it. Okay, so he's so looking he did, after the car, yeah. Yeah, he did clutch, flywheel, IMS, RMS. He did uh, coffin arms, some control arms. Uh, it had brake. It's had new brakes all so, around. It was, you know, mechanically, it was okay. spot on. So really, he's done all that work. Then he obviously didn't know about the bore scoring because he would have actually 
rectified that as well, you would think, if he knew about it. So it's, or maybe it's, he got out of it. I don't know for certain. Yeah, it's know, weird that you would do all that work, though, and, and the specialist wouldn't come across the fact that it also had this other issue, that they wouldn't check it, do you think? Well, the thing is, this is, this is why I don't really understand, because um, Cylinder 6 was heavily scored. And after speaking to quite a few people who know what they're talking about, they all said the same thing. The chances that that's gone from no scoring to about an 8 out of 10 scoring, there was no piston slap, but it was heavily scored. In right. in, in 1,500 to 2,000 miles, virtually not. So, yep. it, you know, it pretty much had to be there, you know, beforehand. Okay, so, so when when did you come across it? So it's, it's, it's locked down in the UK, you buy the car. Um, when do you realise that the car's got an issue? Well, driving the car home, the um, air oil separator failed on my drive home. Okay. Um, which I didn't really realise because it was absolutely peeing it down with rain. But on the drive back, and I bought this car in Aberdeen, so it was a very long drive back, about a five-hour drive back. But I had people kept on flashing me. And what basically happens is that as the AOS starts to fail or does fail, it in effect sucks some oil into the plenum and just, you know, you get like a James Bond-esque smoke screen out of the back. Oh, really? Wow. And I think it was doing that a few times on the way back. People kept on flashing me and I didn't really understand why. I checked the temperatures, nothing was amiss. Okay. Um, but then realised in the week or so afterwards, it did the same thing. Um, massive smoke screen of, of plume of white smoke out the back. I thought I'd blown the engine up. And then after a bit of investigating, realised that realize what the AOS was because I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, and that was the problem. And I thought that was, you know, the problems that I was having was to do with that. And right. then on top of that, I overfilled it with oil, which also meant that it was burning yeah. off oil. Yeah. Um, so by the time I'd rectified that, and which took a good while, good many weeks, I then realized, well, no, actually it is using more oil than it should be using. And then eventually he went and got it borescoped at a local specialist and he said, no, you've got bad bore scoring on cylinder six and mild on, on cylinder four. Um, okay. And he basically said to me, you could drive the car for probably a bit longer without real any problems. But once I knew it was there, I didn't drive the car the same. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm keeping this car. I don't intend to sell the car for at least five years. Okay. I'm investing more money into it, but I want it to be right. So, I, you know, I, I went for a full rebuild. Whose Simon did you decide to get it to fix it for you? Was it the person that inspected it or was, did you take it somewhere else? It was actually the person who inspected it. There's a, a local place called Unique Porsche, which were in Bolton, okay. uh, and they rebuilt the engine for me. Um, um, but like I say, a lot of things had already been done. The clutch and flywheel had been done. The IMS was an LM uh, engineering okay. one that was in there, which I didn't kind of realize, but they when they stripped the car, they said, it's got a decent uh, IMS upgrade in it, so that doesn't need doing. Yeah, because we always talk about IMS and we always talk about the LN engineering, you know, um, up, upgrade. But we never really talk about bore scoring that much. And I know even on the podcast, I haven't really spoken about it that much. Um, but it is something that you have to be aware of, right? It's something that you happens. You know what, Michael? I think it, it, it can be more – I honestly think it can be more prevalent in cars that have done less miles. Because yeah. they're not getting run. And one of the things that I have discovered, again, through my journey of, and I discuss this on my YouTube channel, that one of the worst things you can probably do is start your um, water-cooled Porsche up from cold and let it idle on your driveway whilst it warms up, which a lot of people think they're doing a good thing. No, you're supposed to drive away straight Just away, aren't you? get in, yeah, put it under yeah. a bit of load. Don't rev it hard, but get 
just drive away. And by letting it idle, that is one of the things I think that can, and if the car is going weeks without a start, um, you just, the oil kind of basically, you know, drains away from the cylinder walls and you've got just that first instance of where the oil gets, you know, spread around the engine. Um, Okay, but what about this thing? You know, he's scaring me now. Um, this thing when you when you're storing a car, and people say you should start it should be started every few weeks or every month at least if you're storing a car. You know, and if you put it into storage places, even Porsche storage places in Sydney, they will start your car for you every you know three weeks. They won't yeah, actually drive it. Start it. I'd let it run for about fifteen seconds and turn it off because you're circulating the oil around. Just don't let it get up to temperature and run a tick over. You know, and just just idling. Um, because the other thing it's doing is it's throwing more fuel in there because it's cold, and that fuel, in effect, is from what I can gather, is kind of you know washing the oil away to a degree as well. You right, know, you can't right. in the lubrication. So personally, I would just yes, I'd start the thing every so often, but I wouldn't let it fully warm up, and you know, or I'd take it out and drive it. But yeah, you know, if you can't do that, then. Um, yeah, I know the thing about how, you know, when you, and I know I always do this with my 997, you know, when I get into it, I don't let it sit there and idle and warm up like other cars, you might do that. You know, as soon as I get into the car, I drive off and you just make sure you keep it below and, and watch the oil temperature and wait till it gets up to temp and, and then you can yeah. drive it properly. But I thought that that was in the owner's manual, actually, in the 997. Maybe I read it on Renlist, but I remember when I first got the car, I read that somewhere and I, it's always stuck in my mind not to let it, um, not to let it yeah, warm well, up. Yeah, well, most people don't read manuals anymore. Anyway. <laughs> 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 they they just they think they know the best and they, they that might apply to one car then they think it applies to all cars um, yeah and obviously a flat six is a different beast to a you know a lot of other engines. yeah true true so okay so you you had to do this this repair um i won't ask you how much it costs but i'm guessing it's it's a lot of money it's not cheap no they're not cheap thankfully i can say a lot of the other stuff had already been done and I had a lot of people ask me what I've spent and i don't answer the question because i always say look it's literally going to depend on what the, what needs doing, you know, I had the heads done at the same time. But if you haven't had your clutch, you've not had your flywheel, another thing, you know, you can it all adds up. Um yes. So it just depends individually on what needs doing and how far you want to go. But now your car is sorted. Now you've got all these things done. Like you said, you're going to keep it for five years. We all know the prices of 996s and we talked about this a bit before we started recording. The prices of 996s have risen. And they've risen yeah. a lot in Australia. Like I said to you, they've almost gone to the price of 997s. Um, so investment-wise, you know, I don't, you're not, not going to lose money on a C4S. And the C4S is really popular because it is a really nice mm. variant of, of the 996. You know, the C4S and the Turbo and the GT3, you know, they're the three, aren't they? Um, yes. People like the look of them. You know, the number of people who are um, normal Carrera owners, for instance, in the club who say, oh, I just love the back end of your car. You know, they followed me for, say, an hour and they're like – you're making me want to buy one now because I've been looking at your back end for yeah. the last hour. Well, there's something, I mean, I mean, I remember when I first saw that car, I saw it in a Porsche dealership when it was new and I thought, wow, that one day I'd love to have one of those because it was just fantastic with the exhaust tips and the back. Um, and, you know, I, I know I'm going to get killed for this by people who are friends of mine who have got 997 C4Ss, but the 996 is is more attractive. It is actually... Oh, I, I honestly do. I do think personally... In the 4S, I think more, it is. Yeah, yeah it's, got, and, it's unique. You know, and I prefer the, the interior. I mean, I know that it's different for everybody who's got their own choices. So I'm not saying that everyone has to agree with me, but personally, yeah, I do think it's the nicer car. Um, and like I say, the look of it, I love that re- reflector across the back. 
the back end of it, you know, even my wife says, yeah, the, you know, it, it's got a nice bump. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. So you've got everything fixed. You get this car, you know, last year. You've done all the repairs. It's all yeah. sorted. The first drive you take it on, Simon, when it's all sorted, how did it feel? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, really good. Um, I've also done the rest of the um, – I've not changed the suspension, but coffin arms, control arms, all those have been done as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've literally pretty much just finished running, running it in. So, um, yeah, it just just feels good. Yeah, I mean, it makes me smile. Yeah, I, it's one of those cars that gives me a huge amount of enjoyment when I drive it. Um and, you know, it's never going to be a daily drive. It was never bought for that. So it's literally just for those, the most, the best thing about a car is something that you own to enjoy to yeah, me. You know, it's, it's not a workhorse. It's not general transportation. Um, does the, um, yeah. does the C4S have the short shifter kit? Um, I've Standard? no idea. I've no idea, to be quite honest. No. Is it really... a short throw or a long throw? In the, in it doesn't the... feel long throw. It feels relatively short to me. Um, whether there is a short throw kit for it, um, I don't know. Um, put it this way, the, the the best gear shift of any car I've ever driven or owned is the Integra. Okay. Um, and the C4S is probably 85% as good in my eyes. It feels... When it's cold, it's a little notchy, but I really like the way it feels. I've certainly got no want to improve it. There's nothing. Okay. What I have recently done is um, I've changed the steering wheel for a Momo uh, Mod 7. I was going to ask you about that. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. What was the motivation behind that? To basically get closer, get the wheel closer to me without moving the seat any closer, basically, because the, the 996, people may or may not know, the adjustment is only front to back. There's no up and down. Okay. And the problem I have, I'm six foot two and a bit. Okay. And what I find is if I'm um, if I'm dipping the clutch and turning the wheel uh, to maybe to change gear, I can trap my hands between the top of my thigh and the steering wheel. And I can put the the seat further back because there's still more adjustment, but then my reach okay. isn't close enough. Okay. And and I do prefer a wheel. Probably that comes from doing track days. I do prefer the steering wheel to be a bit closer especially if I'm driving enthusiastically. Yeah, it's a nice-looking so, wheel. It's Alcantara as well, isn't it? Was it Alcantara? Yes, yeah. It's slightly smaller. It's 330 compared to 350. Alcantara, well, suede um, steering yeah. wheel. And it's a 70 mil dish. Does um, it have the marker? I can't remember from your picture. It does, yeah. It's got it has the, the center marker. marker. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, those, those steering wheels don't have airbags, do they? No, they don't. So I had to do the, the modern, the get round for the, uh, to stop the airbag light coming on. There's a little uh, resistor that you plug in, in okay. place. So you had someone install that wheel for you or you did it yourself? You're a bit handy. No, I fitted it and you can see it on my YouTube channel. Okay. Um, I couldn't find a good guide to how to fit it and to do everything. So I thought I may as well make one. Um, okay, fantastic. So that's what I've done. It's a nice looking wheel. I saw it on, on your Instagram today, actually. Oh, I didn't I think actually it looks go, lovely. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Looks really, really good. So, what else have you done? What else have you added to the car? Anything else to the interior or exterior? No, this, the, the, only, the only thing I would like to do, I'd quite like a second set of alloys. Yes. But the only ones I would like is either some uh, Fouche um, ones that, you know, to suit the right yeah. size, obviously. Um, or a set of rough ones, which I can't afford, you know, the roof, sorry. Um, so roof alloys I really like, but the ones that you would have to, I'd have to buy the genuine ones would probably cost me about six grand for a set. And I'm never going to spend that. 
Yeah, the um, roof ones are nice. The flat face silver ones. You yeah, mean? I love them. Yeah, I yeah, love they're them. great. They're great. I, I really like those as well. Andrew, who was on a very early owner stories, nine eleven South, he put them on his nine nine three. I think yeah. he got a set secondhand, and he, he put them on. They look fantastic. Yeah. Um, but also the Fuchs, the Fuchs as well would be really, um, really good on yours. Yeah, they're not too bad. I mean, they're still not cheap. I'm still probably looking about just under three, two and a half to three grand, which obviously yeah. is not cheap. I mean, they look but, good on a standard Carrera 996, you know, like when you see people put them on a standard one. But I actually yeah. like the wheels on your C4S. I think the wheels are well, so do, iconic of that well. model. You yeah. know, taking that away takes something away from the style of the C4S. And, you know, and I... The only reason I would do it, if I was going to have a second set of wheels, because I would like to, I was really torn between putting uh, Cup 2s on my car. Okay. Um, or putting um, the PS2s, which is what I actually put on, which are a good all-rounder. But I would quite like, especially when the weather's, you know, you're in the summer. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would like to have Cup 2s on there because there's such an, you know, I mean, my Integra, I run a Toyo R888s just all the time, which are road yeah. legal, but they're basically a track day tyre. They're noisy, but I don't care because I'm only ever driving <laughs> it fast. You it, know what I mean? It's funny you say that about the tyre. I, I asked Steve about that, actually, because I was thinking, you know, my 997 Carrera, when I go back to Sydney, I mean, I don't drive it a lot of miles a lot of kilometers and i was thinking yeah. you know should i get cup should i get the cup two tires on the on the correct on my 997 career and just see how it changes the driving experience see how it changes the grip you know what i mean because i've just got the the recommended pilot tires pilot yeah. sport pilot sport well, what you need to ask yourself is would i knowingly take that car out in the rain yeah that's you know, the like, thing yeah and, that's the thing. you know so if i was going to drive for pleasure if it's a terrible wet day uh, in winter, then I'm not really taking my car out. No. My, my 911 lives in a garage. It spent most of its life in the garage. When the car was stripped and taken apart, uh, Darren at Unique said it came apart really easily. And he said, there's just no corrosion. The places where you find corrosion, he said, I think it's spent all its life sleeping in a garage um, through, through its owners, which is a good thing. Um, so if you're not going to take a car out in the wet, knowingly, then, you know, having what would be a compromised tire in the wet on there isn't a problem. Yeah. And Steve's got the Moni's GT3, of course, on the 997 GT3. Um, and of course, you know, in light rain, they're okay. In heavy rain, yeah. you know, they're dangerous. Um, but you know, yeah. in, in you, light you, sort of rain, if, 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 yeah, <laughs> if you get stuck in like a summer downfall and it's just light rain, I'm, I'm guessing you'd be okay. Um, but just back to your car for a second, you know, like I think, I think what you've done and I think what the listeners are going to find interesting is that it, you don't always have to, I mean, it's not always about finding something that is completely perfect, right? And you didn't know this ball scoring was going to happen, but it just shows you that you, you can still fix it. Sure, you've got to put money into it, but then you know everything is sorted and it's that peace of mind that you have in that car. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that it's your car now, you've got it all sorted. You know, the next person that buys... And that buys, means more to me. That yeah, does and, mean more to me. Yeah, and the next person that buys it, Simon, when you sell it in five years' time or if you sell it, you know, you have all that record and it's been done. Mm. Um and they know they're getting a good car. And it, it only helps the value of it in the future as well. You know, it doesn't take away from yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so to be honest, I've, I asked myself, and I had this conversation with my friend who's got the 992, is what would I change it for? And presuming that I couldn't afford just to keep it, because to go to five cars, I think my wife would <laughs> start divorce proceedings maybe. So if I had to change it, um, and I was wanting to change it, I think one of the only things... I, I kind of went down the GT3 road, but the thing is that um, it's a completely different owner's prospect 
you know, owning a GT3. So if I bought a 996 GT3, yeah. um, A, I'd need to spend probably £75,000 plus to get a good one. Yes. B, for, I wouldn't take it on the track. I wouldn't want to. You know, my Integra for going on the track is all I'm ever going to need. It's amazing on the track. And I could roll the thing in a ball and literally, you know, write the thing off and I'm not going to cry because I've got not a lot of money in it. Um, yeah. I would ch- wouldn't choose to, that to happen. But if if I had a GT three and I put the thing into a, you know a barrier or a tie wall, I would be sick. Yeah. So f- for the, the driving that I use it for, I really don't think the GT three is the way to go. So the car that I think I would end up buying will be a nine nine seven GTS manual. Um, yeah, good choice. Good choice. That's probably the only thing I would choose. But again, at the minute, I'd probably have to add you know twenty five grand to my car to buy that. And like I said and before, that that's something that I would buy too, Simon. But a manual GTS is not available in Australia. They only brought them in PDK. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. they're only available in PDK. Um, and you know, um, Paul, that's on owner stories from New Zealand. He imported one from the UK to New Zealand. He's got a manual one. Even in New Zealand, I don't think they had um, the manuals. They only had PDKs. Right. Um, but that's a great car. That's a great car. What about the nine nine one GTS? Well, this is what I'm saying. So, so if Kirsty ends up getting a um, a nine eleven, then it'll probably be a nine nine one, but it'd probably be PDK because again, um, for traveling for work, she does work a lot from home. Um, we both worked in IT, like I say, I've moved into uh, property now. But over the years we've been together, we've done a lot of travel. Um, so an automatic, which basically is what the PDK is, would suit her better. Although she'll quite happily drive a manual. She drives my Porsche, she drives an Integra. Um, but yeah, it would probably be a 991.1. What does she prefer? What does your wife prefer, the Integra or the 996? Um, oh, the 996. The Integra, <laughs> you know, she would drive it. I, I, I keep on saying I'm going to have to get us to come and do a dual drive track day and pay for some track tuition because I think she'd love it. Um, to drive the thing in anger. And the good thing with the Integra, it's very forgiving being front-wheel drive car and the handling is so good that you can find its limit quite gradually in that car. You know, it, it's um, the balance is fantastic. There's a question for you, actually, Simon. Um, you've got the Integra, you're driving the Integra, and then you jump back into the 911. How do you have to adjust yourself the way you drive? Is there a, is there a big adjustment? Well, quick story. I won't go too deep into this. Last year... When we had the, we came out of lockdown, and this run that I told you about with the um, the Clio Trophy Owners Club yes. was planned. It was the anniversary um, of that car being launched. It was 15 years, I think. Um, it would have been. So they were planning a big a big outing, but because of coronavirus, it kind of all got shelved. Right. But a few of us all decided, said, "Look, you know, we can we can travel. Lockdown has been lifted, so we'll be we'll socially distance, and there'll be just a small group of us said we're still going to do it. It wasn't the official run, but we followed the same route. So there ended up about six of us i think and i went in my integra it's a perfect car for that b road through wales um the drive you know the roads are fantastic i had just had some work done i set off on the friday night to meet up in north wales and got there to find that when i filled it with petrol as i put lock on i heard what i thought was a cv joint it turned out it was to do with the uh, power steering um the fluid hadn't been changed i completely forgot to change the fluid okay so I got, went and got my hotel key, drove all the way home, 
and swapped out my Integra for my Porsche. And I took my Porsche and I absolutely loved it. But if I do that run again uh, this year, which I will be doing, I will be taking the Integra because it's built for that kind of driving. But I loved, I was kind of pleased that it happened because this was before my car even got rebuilt. And I was only probably revving it to about five and a half thousand revs, but it's got so much torque that it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, And the adjustment between the two, I find really easy to be honest. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I've not really struggled at all. I could jump out of one into the other and drive them both quickly quite easily. That's, okay. the, that's what I found anyway. But Fantastic. they're completely different animals, yeah, yeah, totally yeah. different. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so what's planned then? What is there anything else you want to do to the 911? Is there anything you want to add or you, you're pretty much done now? I don't really think – so brakes have all been renewed, but again with standard just the – because as people will probably know, or if they don't, the, the C4S is basically the underpinnings of the turbo, yes. but without the, tur- the Metzger engine. Yes. Um, so even though the you know the normal Carrera is lighter, I think for the extra braking and cornering overall, I think the C4S is a car that you can drive a bit quicker for your average driver. Um, okay. Maybe some people will disagree with that, but... I don't find that you can feel that that car really feels four-wheel drive because most of the time it's not. Um, And the grip levels are good that you can, you know, the car can move around a bit and I find it quite predictable. You can probably drive it to seven-tenths quite safely and most people that is enough and they will enjoy themselves. So I've got no real plans to mod anything performance-wise because I think the best thing you can spend on a car um, if you're going to spend money is on brakes and tires because yes. rather than on performance, because yep. most people performance is, is the car's got enough performance. Yep. Absolutely. It's got the sports exhaust, the Porsche um, sports exhaust. I have yep. looked at a few, but the ones that I'd like are quite expensive. Um, but the PSC, really like... the PSC is enough though, isn't it? The sound on the 996 PSC is pretty good. Oh, it sounds my... great. I, yeah. I love it. You know, um, my mother-in-law says it's too loud, <laughs> <laughs> but I really like it. You know, mine's permanently set. Um, mine's I've actually removed the um, the little solenoid chain switch of things, so it's yeah. permanently yeah. open because yeah. I would never drive the car with them closed because I only drive the car for, car for pleasure. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it does sound really good. And I know that a lot of people often change their exhaust and realize that actually they don't sound how they want it to sound, or it might be too resonate too much, or you know. Uh, and Porsche obviously did all that R and D, and they got it right. So I don't really feel I want to change it. Yeah, it's no need. There's no need. That's fantastic. Then, the interior is okay though. The interior is in good condition. The interior is immaculate. Okay. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I say I don't regret buying that car because externally it's fantastic. The interior is literally, it's untouched. It's the seats are perfect. The carpet's perfect. There's no, you know, there's no knocks or dings or scrapes or anything that, um, you know, would, would put you off. So yeah, the interior is great. The, the, I'd, I'd like to put the GT3 bucket seats in it, but again, I don't have four or five grand to mm. buy a pair of those. Um, so uh, the sports seats are good enough for me. Yeah, they're good seats. The ones you have, I wouldn't bother. Your seats are so really just cool. a steering wheel, really. I've yeah. now got the position, the driving position that I wanted. I've got. Um, so no, I, I I don't think really there's much whether that will change. But um, I've no intentions for changing. You know, put, for putting induction kit on it. I'd lose power, <laughs> really. You know, yeah. I mean, I think virtually all induction kits 
Uh, a lot of them claim extra power, but from the reading I've done over the years, none of them seem to add it. They might add a bit of noise, but it's not much power. Good yeah. as it is, yeah. Well, you're enjoying it how it is, so that's the main thing. You don't really need to do much more. I mean, it's you know, it's a great from what I've seen on on your Instagram. It's a great looking car. It really is, and it looks good in that looks good in that silver. It does actually. I knew well, it wasn't I was, the uh, I knew it wasn't the same silver as mine. I could tell the silver was slightly yeah, different because it looks a bit yeah. like the rhodium silver, the newer silver, doesn't it? But not as blue. The rhodium silver is more blue. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as we discussed previously, you know the um, the headlights. I think a oh, lot yeah. of people said they didn't like them without really forming yeah. their own opinion. And and I really do like them. And as we discussed, the early amber uh, light cars are really becoming, you know, the kind of come back into vogue again now. I mean, they're becoming a real plus point. And there's people are switching. Your car is what year, Simon? Sorry, your car is a 2000... 2003. So 2003. it's a 996.2. Um, yeah. And it was it was December. Um, apparently, it's got the um, oh, that's the only other thing. Yes, sorry, that I do want to add is the the PCCM Plus, um, uh, which they do for <laughs> the nine nine six. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that because it's it's something that I really like, and I wish they did it for the nine nine seven. So well, they will do. I think as as a few more years tick by, they'll yeah. definitely do it for the for the the dot ones. Um, so in effect, I think they just looked at the age and basically said from this age backwards, we will, you know, come up with a more, because I believe that the, the PCCM plus for my car yes. is all the electronics that was in the 991.1, I think it is. Right. Somebody might correct me there. It might be the dot two, but so it's not the absolute latest, latest, but it's certainly modern enough. So you can connect your phone to it. You get the Google maps on there. Um, good hands-free. Yeah, it's good. Um, I mean, it's not cheap, is it? But it's worth it. I think it's worth it. It's not cheap. I thought about buying a, a, a SIM for mine because mine does have, I can put the SIM card in. Yeah. Because even when, even though I don't really go on my phone, you know, when I'm driving, it would, it is handy just to have, be able to answer the phone and use the phone if I need to. Yeah. My, and, my 997 yeah. has that same kit, Simon. My 997 has that extended phone kit. And when I first yeah. bought my car, I used to use that SIM. I bought a SIM. <laughs> 2G I SIM. Yeah. I don't know they if you've heard me tell you the story. <laughs> yeah, and they sw- and it was fantastic. It worked. It was perfect. And then they switched it off. The thing is, that if I if I did put a SIM in it, then I'd be having to give everyone say, "Oh, this is my Porsche number," which sounds yeah. very. This is my car you know, number. This is my, guess, my exactly. phone number. It's like something out of the eighties. Me and just say, "Oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore." What do you mean your car number? I saw a great Carrera for sale the other day. It was in somewhere in the US and it was immaculate. It was so immaculate and it had the phone. It was like a 911 Carrera 3.2 and it had the, yeah. the old phone still there. I mean, years ago, you know, people were saying just rip it out. It looks daggy, but now it oh, kind of no. looks, it kinda looks very it. cool yeah. now when you see it. Yeah, it looks it's very cool. It's part of the car and the era and, yeah, and that's yeah. what people are buying into. So yeah. if it's in there, yeah, maybe it doesn't work because it's an old analog system probably. Yeah, it but, wouldn't work. You know, yeah. but, but keep it. But um I mean, I've got a friend who's got two Clio Williams. The you know the the original Clio Williams. Yes, yes. So he's got a Williams one and he's got a Williams three. Wow, nice. Um, but he is looking to he's selling both of them because I think he's going to buy a nine nine six because you know it's a bit more grown up. He's a few years younger than me, but he's in his mid forties. Um, you know, he says, well, yeah, it's just the whole scene is more grown up. Um, it's but it's been always been used to front wheel drive, you see. And I said to him, look, you know, yeah. he's a good driver. And I said, you'll be fine in it. You'll just need to 
get used to a rear-wheel drive. But I think that's what he's probably going to do is, is buy I said, well, buy one before they, they really do start going yeah, up. Yeah, before they go crazy, which yeah. is only a matter of time, only a matter of months, I think. Before the end of the year, I think they're just going to be too high again. They're going to be up there. Yeah. I think there's about seven to nine grand difference between if you had two cars that were the same condition between, say, a, a Carrera uh, and a C4S, I think you'd probably pay at the minute around about seven to nine thousand pounds more for the C4S. C4S is in Australia, a good 996 with about the same sort of mileage as yours. Uh, sit somewhere around, I think they're a good one is about 90,000 Australian dollars now, which is about what, 50,000 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, and a little I mean, while I think they are going to end. Yeah. There, Very quickly. Know. Yeah. I mean, I think at the minute, for round about for high twenties, and if you're buying from a dealer, I'd say low thirties, you'll get the absolute best yep. C4S manual out there. Yeah, and I'm um, talking manual as well. Obviously, the autos yes. are a little bit cheaper, but for the manuals, which are rare in the C4S, because a lot of people did take the auto. Yeah. So it is a rare one. But a guy in the club who's got a 996 G, uh, GT2 has also just bought for a daily drive a uh, high, well, when I say high mileage, it's done just over 100,000 miles C4S. And he bought that car in the low 20s. Um, and it's a fantastic car. So wow, don't be afraid price. of a high mileage car yeah, because yeah. if the car is sorted um, and he's happy to spend a bit of money on it, but he's using it as a daily drive. And, and like I say, he's got like a six, 600 brake horsepower, I think, is GT2. Hmm. But it's quite an animal. And he, he really is enjoying having the C4S. Something and a again, bit less in power, yeah. yeah. And he liked the look of it. And like he said, you know, the, the, the performance is more attainable. Um, yes, absolutely. And he's bought that as a daily. So, no. Absolutely. It's got a good, got a, got a good two cars there. The, the, the GT2 is beautiful. Oh, it is. It's a special thing. The one he's got, it's a lovely, lovely car. But... Yeah. Um, you know, you can only get the performance out of that in a few places. You know, you're kind of very limited to where you can really stretch a car like that. Yeah, true, true. All right, Simon, we're almost up to an hour. We're actually past an hour. I think we've gone a little bit further. I'd just like to always ask this question before we before we finish the podcast about your yep. f- favorite roads, roads that you would recommend to someone coming to the UK, roads you've driven on or roads you'd like to drive on that would, you know, really show the character of a 911 or any type of sports car, really. Um, probably three three places. So we've got um, a place in the Lake District, uh, which we've just been back up to this weekend for the first time. There are some great roads around the Lake District, but no good when it's busy. So right. it's kind of out of season. There's some fantastic roads. Um, so, yes, selected places around the Lake District. Um, Scotland, um, I'd say if we don't do it this year, so we do it next year, we're going to do the um, NC500, yep. which is... You will have heard about, and I know other people have mentioned it. But overall, by far the best road driving I've ever done is on that run with the Clio Trophy Club. And that starts in North Wales, runs through mid-Wales, we stop off overnight in Aberystwyth, and then down to South Wales. Evo Car Magazine made the Evo Triangle famous to the point that it's now got average speed speed cameras around Has it. it. Yeah, I was going yeah. to say they used it all the time, didn't they, in Wales? Uh, yeah, and it got kind of ruined because of that people going. But there's still a huge amount of mountain roads which are unbelievably good. That's and, fantastic. You know, the, by far the best driving I've ever done has been in, in North, around North America. Are you planning to take your 996 to Europe? Are you planning to take a drive to Europe when things uh, settle down? I, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind doing. And a lot of people have said to me, why have I never done the Nürburgring? Um, yep. 
and for one reason and one reason only, the cost of doing it, I can do several track days in the UK. So right. rather than spend the money to do a trip over there, and the other thing is I would be scared of having an accident say, in the looks, nerve area because the cost of recovery yeah. is ridiculous. Can you imagine doing that for the first time in your 9-11? I, I would be just terrified. I, I'm sorry, I'd be terrified. I, I, I wouldn't I'd do be, it. I'd do it in the Tegra, but I yeah, wouldn't do it in the 9-11. I know, you'd have to do it in some other car. I couldn't do it in yeah. my 9-11, no way. No, because I couldn't live with something going wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you see all those accidents on that on the, on oh, the YouTube videos. Yeah, it's quite exactly. scary how quickly they happen as well. All right, Simon, mm. that's great. Um, thanks for today. I just want to let everyone know your Instagram again. It's at pig underscore monkeys underscore Porsche. Uh, it'll be in the description of this podcast um, and also your YouTube, which is just pig monkeys, is it? Pig monkey, yeah. And pig if monkey. you just search for pig monkey and 996C4S, you'll find my videos. Okay, so check out Simon's Instagram and check out his YouTube. Make sure you follow him. Make sure you subscribe uh, and make sure that, you know, you say hello if you've been on Owner Stories before, which I'm sure all the other guys will. That was great, Simon. Thanks for chatting today. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for yeah. having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll keep in touch via Instagram. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. Let's keep in touch. I, I, I like to know more about, you know, how your car fares over time as well and how much you're enjoying it. And oh, I didn't ask you actually, and we're finishing now, but I should have asked you, is there an itch to get another 911? Well, yeah, there is. But like I say, it will be for, <laughs> for my wife. If I do, you know, it will, a second 911, definitely. But the one for it's, your gonna, wife, yeah. it's got to replace one of the other cars. Yeah. Um, I have nowhere to keep, I've nowhere to keep a, a fifth car. Yeah. I think a GTS for your wife would be pretty cool though. Yeah, a 991, and it'd be a convertible as well, actually, because oh, nice. she likes convertibles. Um, so I'd probably, yeah, a 991 um, GTS convertible would be nice. And the 991 shape in the convertible is a great shape. That's really oh, when yeah. the shape came, you know, that that those those curves at the back with the top. Yeah, she so doesn't tall. like the yeah. shape of the 997 or the 996 convertible. Uh, but I've shown a picture of the 991, and she's like, oh, no, that's nice. Yeah, like the 991 that. is definitely very, very nice. So, yeah, that will probably be um, in the, the, you know, the next couple of years uh, will probably be the way that we'll go. Fantastic. Thank you, Simon. Okay. Nice speaking to you. Nice speaking to you too. All right, everyone, uh, that's uh, Simon coming in from, from the UK, from North, Northwest England, talking about his 996 Carrera 4S. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Bye.